Hey. Is this thing on? Oh, it is? Word, word. You are now listening to Lecture Hall, brought to you by studentunionsports.com. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Sorry I'm late. It's just like this new schedule is totally confusing. Infiltrate the dealers, find the supply. We get to be brothers? Infiltrate the dealers, find the supply. I'm a peacock! You gotta let me fly! Hey, Greg, why don't you go piss your pants again? That was like eight years ago, asshole. Now you're all in big, big trouble. Oh, what is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lecture Hall, brought to you by Stinnett Sports. It's your boys, it's Big Hoppa. It is Shuta Sillings or Shuta, as it's going to be known this week with the Masters coming up. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Shuta uh, double finger guns me with that syllabus. <laughs> What's up, guys? Classes in session, jam packed syllabus this week. You know, last week when we were recording, we were trying to figure out when they'd be done counting votes to determine our next president, and according to some people anyways, the voting is done. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, Kamala, Kamala, I I can't say it. They are our president and vice president-elect. Some people might say um, that it's not over. I'm not big into conspiracy theories unless they involve the Loch Ness Monster, so I'm going to say it's over and that Joe Joe Biden will be the 46th president of the United States. Some baseball news. AJ Hinch, Alex Cora back in the league. One year suspension wow. up. Already rehired. Cora back to the Red Sox. The Red Sox are sort of back. And AJ Hinch to the Detroit Tigers, which is a great hire by Detroit. I think the Tigers are on the right path. Come back into relevancy. They've yeah. been gone for a little bit. They were dominant for a while there. And I think they're on their way back. Uh, we have perfect, perfect guy to support. Uh, supplement the end of Miggy's career. Maybe maybe get another two, three years of uh, what was a Miggy that looked actually pretty good at times and uh, see if some of this young pitching, see if he can cultivate that into a, a playoff run. One last, you know, one last ride for Miggy. Yeah, you'd love to see Miggy get one last crack at it. His uh, two World Series appearances weren't really anything to pay much attention to. Swept twice. We have ALNL Rookie of the Year awards in the AL. The Mariners, Kyle Lewis, and in the NL, we have Hoppa's. Is it Devin or Devon Williams? It's Devin. Devin Williams of the Milwaukee Brewers. You can tell. Like this is how I knew that I did not pay much attention to the shortened baseball season because I've never heard of either of these two guys. Yeah, I think the Red miss- Sox sucking just took me out of baseball completely. This Absolutely, year. yeah, Williams. With like a .39 ERA and a bunch of innings, had like one of the best strikeout rates uh, on the changeup and in baseball in general. The Milwaukee Brewers uh, add a NL rookie. I believe it's our first NL rookie since Ryan Braun uh, back in the day. And then uh, the third straight NL Reliever of the Year award goes to the Milwaukee Brewers. The prior two going to Josh Hader and the third going to Devin Williams. Hmm. Didn't know that Ryan Bronstadt, so I guess Williams is in pretty good company there. A college football, usually we 
do a long, boring spiel about college football. We're just going to throw you some highlights in the syllabus here. Notre Dame-Clemson, probably the most exciting game of the season. I fell asleep in the fourth quarter. Double overtime thriller. Ian Book (laughs) finally got a big-time win under his belt. I don't care if it wasn't against Trevor Lawrence. I think if Trevor Lawrence played, he couldn't have done any better than DJU did. So Yeah, I mean, 439 yards, two touchdowns, and like another, I think it was, uh, well... It wasn't that many. It's 13 carries for two yards because the sacks get counted, but uh, against him. But um, it was it was an impressive game from DJU uh, all around, regardless of uh, of Trevor Lawrence and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean Clemson was missing four guys on defense. These two teams are likely going to meet again in the ACC championship game. The second matchup is going to be interesting. I think if Notre Dame can find a way to win that one too. They might be the legitimate favorite to win the playoff, but I have a hunch that they might get just demolished in in the rematch there. Florida and Georgia played in the world's largest cocktail party in Jacksonville, Florida, and Florida just piss pounded Georgia. Georgia sucks. They we just, were people forget they were up fourteen nothing almost in the first five minutes of the game. Okay. And then they suck. And then they yeah, they shed their shorts absolutely <laughs> they need a quarterback i mean their defense is fairly solid and florida's offense just overwhelmed them kyle trask is legitimately a heisman contender at this point and yeah georgia just needs a quarterback i mean they got uh jamie Which is hilarious after fields and like this Eason, Eason Eason, and Fields yeah. transferred out they brought in jamie newman he said deuces which probably, if they wouldn't have gotten him, they would have got De'Eric King, which would have been huge. But now they're Who's stuck. lighting it up this year, too, by the way. Yeah, of course. That's what De'Eric King does. And now they've got Stetson Bennett the fourth, who sucks, to put it simple. All-time Simply. name. All-time name, though. Sounds like... I mean, he sounds like... Um, he sounds like... I'm not actually... I decided I'm not going to make that joke for the, for the possibility of insensitivity, so... We're just gonna we're just gonna leave it there. Okay, I was. Gonna he say, sounds like he's got a southern name. If you give him my drift, that's not where I was going. It sounds like he should be like Stetson and Bennett Lawl or something like that. Oh, that too. That's not half bad. That's a good joke right there. Oh, I'm sorry, no, I took your... me. Sometimes I'm funny. You just had to <laughs> throw some garbage out in front of me. BYU crushed Boise State in the Group of Five matchup of the week. Is BYU legit? We talked about Zach Wilson last week. He's got that. Uh, interception to touchdown ratio that you know I like so much. 22, 28, 360, and three more scores. They looked like they essentially looked like that there's not much uh not much a team can do to stop them right now. Obviously our 21 ranked Boise State team looked absolutely helpless out there. Um yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. This team is gonna is really good and obviously they're running into a, a crazy season which is unfortunate because maybe in any other year when you have more games played, they would be able to be, um, you know, there's a lot more chaos that could even ensue, even as crazy as 2020 has been. So unfortunately um, with guys or with teams like Cincinnati and then with Notre Dame winning that game, it'll be interesting to see how close they can actually legitimately get to uh, the, that college football playoff. Yeah. I think if there is a year for a group of five team to make the college football playoff, it would be this year with it being a crazy season and different conferences playing different numbers of games. I've seen a theory being floated around on Twitter that one of the TV networks might buy out the cancellation fee for one of like BYU's garbage opponents 
and try to get Cincinnati to play BYU in a kind of like a winner-take-all, like see who's really legit kind of game, which I think needs to happen. If either of those two teams wants a shot at the playoff, they need to find a way to play each other. See which one of those teams is the best, give the winner the four spot, and see what they can do against the best of the best in the power spot. I will say right now the rankings that came out, uh, Wisconsin, despite being undefeated, continues to drop. They're down to 13th. But the top 10 right now is Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson, Texas A&M at five, Florida, Cincinnati, BYU, uh, Miami, quarterback by D.R. King, like we just mentioned, and then Indiana moves up three spots. They're now 3-0 and after two straight big uh, wins against ranked uh, opponents. So it, it's interesting to see Clemson drop. You know, Florida, they decided that's a good enough win to um, – to justify hopping a 6-0 Cincinnati team, beating the Georgia team. Georgia then drops seven spots, which is interesting, um, seeing as it was an 8-5 matchup where Clemson only drops down to fourth after uh, losing as number one. Um, So it's interesting to see how the rankings shook out. I'm not going to lie to you. I think these are incorrect rankings. But this is a syllabus. We're trying to keep it short. There's uh, another another couple big games that happened, but go ahead and f- finish off the syllabus. Yeah, you you mentioned Indiana being three and zero, and if you listen to a podcast out there called Lecture Hall, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. One of the co-hosts in their Big Ten preview was really high on Indiana. Said the Hoosiers are going to be a pretty dangerous team, and I mean they're three and zero. They play Michigan State this week. You can chalk in four and zero. And then they've got a big matchup in the shoe against Ohio State. Do they get piss pounded by Ohio State? More than likely. But Indiana has played Ohio State very close in years past. It usually comes down to the fourth quarter. This is a different Ohio State team. This team's just built different. Justin Fields is that dude. This Hoosier team is also nothing, nothing to sleep on. For what it's worth, Penix, uh, who you you highlighted, who you highlighted in that episode. Uh, which was around four weeks ago now. Uh, he was 30 of 50 for 342, three scores against Michigan. Stevie Scott had a 24 carries, 97 yards, two touchdowns. They're going to have to figure out the run game. That offense, has, despite putting up a lot of points, is it hasn't been the most efficient. Uh, but everybody will be uh, having the eyes on, you know, Ohio State once we get to that game. Uh, Wap Filer, um, and again, some of those corners. All-time name. All-time name as well. Penix, Stevie Scott, and Wap Filer. Those are insane names. Indiana, look at you. This is supposed to be a basketball school. I mean, they're not really a basketball school, but they might be a football school now. Maybe. Also, shout out to me. Yeah, I did call. Maybe. If you if you don't have it, you should get the Locker Room app. Uh, the Locker Room app is available uh, at the Google Play Store and uh, for anything Apple-related. That's where a lot of people... Uh, we've been going live. I've been kind of doing a daily show, not to plug my own self, but I did say on Saturday you could take Indiana money line and Liberty money line. Shout out Liberty tie ball game. Liberty, and, Liberty, uh, Liberty, Liberty. Go to kick. Liberty. <laughs> Limu, emu. I just saw that commercial before <laughs> we started too, but Liberty goes to kick the game-winning field goal against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech blocks it, returns it for a touchdown, but. They call the timeout. The play did not stand. Liberty then goes, relines up, kicks the game-winning field goal. Uh, their kicker blasted it through. It was a 51-yarder kid from downtown. They moved to 7-0 and 
after a heartbreaker, but Virginia Tech. I called both those games. I'm pretty hot right now with my picks. It was a good weekend. Such a good weekend that the baby might be going back to college, folks. That's big news, big news. Baby Hoppa potentially having a college fund again? Maybe. Who knows? This week it's going to ride on this on this weekend, honestly. If you want to support the Baby Hoppa College Fund, you should listen to what Hoppa's about to tell you about our sponsor, Gibbs Grooming. Absolutely. Look, it's becoming to the holiday season, folks. You know, I was I went to uh, Walgreens the other day. had to grab uh, had to grab a little something quick, and I noticed that uh, the Salvation Army they have the uh, they don't have the buckets. They have like a QR code where you can go donate online. And the best way you can help donate and help our cause this holiday season, like Harrison said, is go to GibbsGrooming.com. You can go there. Look, it's not just about donating, folks. It's about getting the person, that man in your life, what they might need to become better smelling and better looking. All right, you can head to GibbsGrooming.com. Use the code HALL15. That's H-A-L-L-1-5, HALL15, to get 15% off of beard oil. It's be- Hey, it's becoming winter. This stuff's starting to grow out. All right, beard oils, the pomades, if, if the lettuce up top's getting longer, whatever you need. It's there. It's at GibbsGrooming.com. G-I-B-S-G-R-O-O-M-I-N-G. GibbsGrooming.com. You can use the code HALL15 to get 15% off to help out that man in your life. All right. The NBA draft is next Wednesday, November 18th. And unlike the drafts of the years past, the drafts that we're used to, there's no real clear-cut favorite to go number one, at least in my opinion. Uh, Bleacher Report says otherwise as of just a few hours ago today. Um, This whole draft class is kind of weird. There's no dude that you look at and you're like, that's the guy that needs to go number one. This is the guy that this team needs. There's no real separation in any of these lottery picks. It's like anyone could go anywhere. If you're going to take a chance on someone, it seems like this is the year to do it. There's just no real, there's no Zion in this class. There's no Luka Doncic and Doncic, Doncic in this class. There's no Andrew Wiggins. There's no Ben Simmons. There's no big time, prime time player in this draft class, which kind of makes it an uninteresting draft to me. And it sucks that this is the year of all years that my Hornets get a top five lottery pick uh, because it's like, I don't know if I want any of these guys. With all that being said, we're going to project, give you a little a little top five mock of the first five picks for next Wednesday. You can pretty much chalk in anything that I say. I just spent the last hour and a half doing nothing but researching the draft. Wow. I don't know what Hop has been doing, but I'm pretty confident in, in what I've got here. And it's going to be different than what Bleacher Report tells you because you can't trust those small-time Jays over at the Bleacher Report. Am I yeah, right? nothing like the big-time Jays in the Purdue uh, football press box. Uh, I'm not going to lie, my mock draft, uh, we've said it before, NBA isn't our forte, but it's a big draft. However, I will say, just because there's not that one guy that's going number one doesn't mean that there aren't some dudes in this draft. Guys like Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, ain't no stopping, Obi Toppin, James Wiseman, some of these guys are the guys that are going to be headlining this this draft. So. Do we want to go 1-1? Are we going to list them all the way out? Yeah, 1-1. One, one. Do 
Oh, yeah. we're gonna take pop, pop, pop back and forth. Oh yeah, let's do it. Love it, Mr. Adam Silver, aka Harrison Sillings. Please announce to me who your number one overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft is. Yep. So with the number one overall pick of the 2020 NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select Anthony Edwards, shooting guard out of Georgia, because they already have they already have uh, D'Angelo Russell, and they have Carl Anthony Towns. They have two guys, two elite superstars who are ready to win now. It's going to be hard to sell them on a player that they have to develop a little bit, give them a year or two, and then win. That adds two more years to these guys' age. They're not getting any younger at this point in their career. Anthony Edwards is that guy that you can plug in at the two-guard with D'Lo and Cat at the at the four or the five, whatever you want to do with Cat, and he's going to score right away. He's going to make an impact right away. I think he's the most NBA-ready guard that – you would be thinking about taking in this first round, and I think it's, or this first five, I should say. To me, it's only common sense to take Anthony Edwards, and you're a fool. You're a fool if you pass on it. In the words of our great Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. All right, uh, people, there's been word, as you alluded to with Bleacher Report, that whether it's the Timberwolves or maybe somebody even slides back, that there is another guard in this draft who is maybe even groomed, maybe has even played professionally, albeit overseas. And with the first pick in the NBA draft, I'm not going to say necessarily the Timberwolves since the, the word has been put out there. But the first player that will be picked in the 2020 NBA draft will be LaMelo Ball. The 6'8 point guard. From California, has now spent, I believe it's two seasons, two full seasons overseas in the uh, New Zealand Professional League playing for the Breakers. Then he went back to high school. Don't forget about that. Hey, that's also true. 6'8", we obviously know what the ball family does. Lonzo uh, is good. Uh, well, you know, then there's Leangelo, which we won't, we won't get into there. But uh, I don't think – I think that LaMelo – as as prepared as any of them uh, is, and obviously being insanely tall, insanely athletic. You've seen the highlights. We are where we are. He will be your number one pick. Uh, I don't know about that. I do think that the there's a good chance that Timberwolves trade this pick. I saw something today about the Timberwolves maybe trading back to the four spot with the Bulls um, and picking up Zach Levine in the process uh, to give the Bulls uh, LaMelo, actually, I think it was. LaMelo to Chicago and then interesting. Wow. Zach, Le- Zach Levine to Minnesota. Minnesota trades back to four to draft some defense, which honestly, if I'm the Timberwolves, that might be better for them than Anthony Edwards. Yes, Zach Levine is... A bit older than Anthony Edwards, he's not going to be in the league as long. But I think if Minnesota's in that win now mode, let's get to the playoffs and see what happens. Trading for a Zach Levine to pair with D'Angelo Russell and Cat, and then at the four spot, trying to pick maybe a a four or five that can complement Carl Anthony Towns and cover what he can't cover on defense. That would be 
the best possible uh, scenario for Minnesota. Yeah, it'll be pretty interesting to see. I mean, Minnesota, um, obviously kind of the um, the victims of a weird uh, season, as were most teams. Um, but it was it was even um, it was even more interesting in the fact that this team actually started off um, pretty good for the most part. And then basically it hit like late July or sorry, late January. And they lost, uh, I believe it was like 10 or 12 in a row uh, at the, since uh, January 11th is the day after my birthday, they only won three games. And that includes um, that's up till March 10th. So over the last two months, they, they didn't win very many games. They obviously, Picking first for a reason, uh, despite a very talented roster. So, them even picking in the top four alone is going to make this team that much scarier. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Hapa, who do you got the Warriors taking or whoever taking at number two? Uh, this is <clears throat> this is purely, excuse me. Purely off of my uh, instinct and knowing that there's always like um, an international player taken like in the first three who doesn't pan out. And I've been seeing this guy's name a lot. Uh, it is Denny. Oh man. Audija. Audija. I don't know. Uh, there's no, there's no pronouncing that properly for me, but that is my pick. That is awesome. He's the guy from my pick. Oh yeah, he's the guy from Israel. He's, if you watch the draft, that's just how you'll you'll know that I'm right. Yeah, this is also my pick for the Warriors. I think there's another possibility that the Warriors also trade this pick, but that would mean somebody wants to trade up, and in a draft class that's very lackluster, with next year's draft class supposedly being loaded compared to this year, why would you want to trade up? Um, I do. I think the Warriors, they either take Denny or they take James Wiseman. I'm going to have them taking Denny just because the Warriors don't really like to play with a true center. They never have. The only time they really brought one in okay. was DeMarcus Cousins, and that was because of how cheap he was. It was just kind of like, oh, we can get this guy. Why not? Let's see what happens. And he was hurt, and he couldn't even play. I think they take Denny because, I mean, he's played professionally in Europe. He's kind of like a Luka. He's not Luka. He's kind of like a Luka. He's the kind of wing that the Warriors love. They love these guys that they can just put in, and they're going to shoot threes, and they're going to make at, make threes at an insane rate. He's the exact fit to the kind of scheme that the Warriors like to run, and the Warriors are trying to get back, back to their championship uh, form. They're going to have Steph back. They're going to have Clay back. They're still going to have Draymond. That dude doesn't go anywhere. And they're going to add Denny to that. It's just going to be another sharpshooter, another guy who can get into the lane and dunk. I think that's probably the best fit for them. Although I could see them taking a James Wiseman if they wanted to go that route, get a big guy to try to compete with like the, the Jokic or the Anthony Davis out west. But that doesn't sound like Golden State basketball to me. How about you take the lead? for your Hornets and number three. Yeah, so at number three, my Charlotte Hornets. If the Warriors don't take James Wiseman, I think that's the no-brainer move for the Hornets here. I think the Hornets have to go big man, no matter if it's Wiseman, Obi Toppin, or Onyeka Ogongwu out of USC. Uh, I think they have to go center. Woo! 
because as much as I love Cody Zeller, he's not a long-term solution. Bismack Biombo is not a long-term solution. And William Herm Gomez is not a long-term solution at the center spot. You have who is uh, who is the young... guy that was there too before? Uh, who's like the super old guy that used to play there? It was a name that was like Bismack Biombo. It was something like. Oh, um, Amico. Yeah, that was my guy. <laughs> yeah, so we have to go center. We have bright young guards. We have Terry Rozier, who actually was not as bad as I thought he was going to be. Devontae Graham has proved to be a stud. P.J. Washington had a great rookie season. We've got Miles Bridges still. we got Malik Monk still. we got Dwayne Bacon. The guards, the forwards, locked and loaded. The center spot is a huge question mark. I like James Wiseman just because I think he's the best out of those three. He can do it all, both sides, offense, defense. And I think, I mean, why would you pass up on an athletic center? He's 7-1, and he could play point guard probably if you wanted him to. He's that athletic. Um, if he's not on the board, I'd like Obi Toppin, but I've heard a lot of people say that the the Hornets are almost chalked to take on Gongwu, um, who I wouldn't necessarily hate. He's pretty much defense only. He leaves much to be desired on the offensive side of the court. He did average 16 a game, and I think he only played one season at USC. But defense is a specialty. The Hornets suck. How do you get better immediately? You stop other teams from scoring. So if if we go the defensive route there, I'm not desperately upset with Ngongwu, but if you pass up a James Wiseman for him, I think that's... A ridiculous decision, but it is Michael Jordan, and this franchise is known for very questionable draft choices. Hoppa, what do you got Charlotte doing at three? MJ, a little bit more uh, better known as a player rather than an owner. I also have James Wiseman, and he would be an addition to a team that has some insane talent. Um, at least when you look at their collegiate careers, probably one of the best assembled collegiate career groups. Um, a lot of these guys were like three to four year guys, not these number one year picks. Like if you like legitimately, if you, I bet if you took this team and you took their college careers in and stacked them all together, you would be looking at a bunch of like uh, all first teams. You'd be looking at a lot of like finalists on like the wooden award, uh, some deep, some seriously deep runs into March Madness and that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting. I think Wiseman is the pick. I think it's a great pick. This team was one spot away from uh, from the bubble. Well, they were technically in the bubble, weren't they? Because then they last. No, they weren't. Oh, well, then never mind. Uh, but we have guys, like you said, Bridges, Devontae Graham. Obviously, Terry Rozier has been a, a step up. PJ Washington. Uh, Zeller uh, has, you know, been a, a serviceable player than Malik Monk. Um, Cody Martin was insane uh, for Nevada, along with his brother, who's not on the team. Who are both um, on the team? Oh, they both. Oh, yeah, they both are. They both are now. Yeah, and then Dwayne Bacon, who was a part of that really good Florida State run a couple of years ago. Nicholas Batum has been a player that people sucks. I mean, there was a point in his. He has the worst contract in league history. There was a point where he was playing very well. He can shoot uh, very nicely from three, uh, upper thirty percent. Uh, you hope if he can, I mean, he's old now, but if you can return to that form, that would be great to see. He's the only player on this roster that was born earlier than 1992. So this team is young. James Wiseman would be a great addition, and this would be a team that I would get excited for and maybe even buy a jersey for. 
Hmm. Interesting. Those new jerseys, they are pretty cool. You might look good Maybe. in one. You can pull off that hoodie jersey combo you talked about a couple episodes ago. Look at us. <laughs> With the fourth pick, um, the Chicago Bulls, I have two options for them. If the Warriors do not go the Denny route with the second pick, I think the Bulls, it's a no-brainer. They have to take Denny. I think he fits in perfectly with what the Bulls are so trying you have, to do. So you have Denny uh, from two to four. You're not just going to say he's going to get picked here. You're just saying he might get picked here, he might get picked here, or also... I'm giving you options because I said that the Warriors would either go Denny or Wiseman. So I'm saying if they don't go the Denny route, it's the no-brainer that that's he's going to Chicago. Assuming that Denny is off the board, the Bulls are going with LaMelo Ball. It's a big market city, Chicago, third biggest city in the country. LaMelo Ball, he's he's got the Zion factor in terms of his marketing ability. I don't necessarily know if he's the best fit for Chicago and what they want to do, but in terms of marketing and star power, LaMelo is the answer for the Bulls just because I think he's the best player available for them in a situation that he could be kind of useful. I personally think he's going. He's not going to be very good. I think he's going to be a bust, but there's also a chance that he's one of the best point guards of all time. He's got that high of a ceiling. I also think he has a pretty... Is it Would it, would it be a high floor or a low floor? Uh, if, <clears throat> if you think he's going to be... I mean, it would be. I I think you're looking for more of a, a really high ceiling. Um, he's got a high ceiling, but I also think his bust factor is very high as well. Well, then you would say that he has a pretty low floor. I don't think I don't think you can interchange the bust and the floor ceiling method. You definitely can. I just don't know how to phrase it. He's got he's got the superstar potential. He's he could also be. A huge well that you could say that about like literally any person ever picked in the top five of any draft well it's more like there lamello is not going to be just your typical role player like lonzo he's either going to be a lebron caliber superstar or is going to be nothing there's no in between for him well yeah i mean yeah six eight point guard he's i, I think he has if he's used correctly in the right system uh, because that has just about as much anything to do with it uh as anything else um I think LaMelo has Magic Johnson written all over him, um, especially because they do they're, – they're like the same player. I mean, Magic was a 6'7 point guard um, who could move the floor. I mean, LaMelo runs the floor better than any player, I think, to ever run the floor, um, probably besides LeBron, but that's because LeBron is the most masterful at saving himself. Him. Yeah, I mean, if LaMelo can put on a little size like Magic did once Magic got into the league – he definitely needs to put put on some weight. He's got he's got the height. He needs he needs the muscle. The horse. Yes. There you go. He needs the muscle. He needs to talk to Bryson DeChambeau. Figure out how to get get something put on his body there. Hoppa, who do you have the cat? Oh, you didn't tell me who are the Bulls taking. The Bulls are going to take from Dayton. Ain't no stopping. OB Toppin. This man, the Naismith Award winner, the Wooden Award winner, the uh, AP Player of the Year from last year, probably the best all-around 
player. I think, you know, you mentioned Edwards, great score. Wiseman, obviously, also a very good. But Obi Toppin last year at Dayton, part of a, a run that would have been a very deep run had it not been canceled. I had Dayton penciled in for the Sweet 16 at the very least. Average 20 points a game. Along with that, seven and a half boards, two assists, a steal, and a block. Um, he almost shot 40% on just about three attempts uh, from three and shot 63% overall. He is 6'9", 220. Um, that, is, that is a big body um, that is insanely athletic. He has, I think, out, he has some of the most sneaky potential uh, out of anybody in this draft class. I'm very excited to see what ain't no stopping Obi Toppin will bring to most likely the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I also think that there's a chance he ends up in Charlotte. And when I originally saw they had the third pick, I assumed that it was going to go Edwards, Wiseman, Toppin to the Hornets. If we end up with Obi Toppin, I will certainly not be upset in the slightest. Absolutely. And rounding out the top, rounding out the top five, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers who I feel like are always in the top five of the lottery. They're usually drafting first somehow. Yep. A team that you always you hear and you're like, oh, yeah, they're usually pretty good, and they're always in the top five. Um, I have the Cavs taken Onyeka Ogongwu out of USC, the defensive stud. And the only reasoning is because the Cleveland Cavaliers are atrocious on defense. They need all the help they can get on D, and... I think he's the second best defender um, in the draft, but he's the best uh, defensive big man in the draft, and I think it's just the clear-cut choice for, for Cleveland with Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson both on their way out of the league in the next year or two. Interesting. I kind of I, That's an interesting take there. Um, obviously, Cleveland has been... Um, Back and forth and back and forth with being good to not being good to being good to not being good. They have three huge big men uh, between Thompson, Kevin Love, and now Andre Drummond. You even have Larry Nance at the four. Uh, so they could use some guard help. And there's a guard that you did mention just a short time ago, my oh friend. My gosh, you have him falling to five. I have <laughs> Anthony Edwards of Georgia falling to five, and I – I think it's going to be entirely dependent um, upon, obviously, like we said, some of these trades. It sounds like it's, um, it sounds like it's just about, um, at least from Bleacher Report's perspective, that it's going to be pretty much set in stone that Lamelo goes first, um, whether it's to the Timberwolves or not. I think Edwards, for where he's at, could be the steal of the draft uh, overall. I mean, obviously, so we have. Um, you just have like a not very good roster, but Cleveland is, is they're another draft away. They're another one more player, maybe even free agency away. Uh, it will be interesting to see uh, Edwards, obviously being a focal point on a collegiate defense. It'll be interesting to see if Sexton and him are able to work something out. Um, Sexton being a, a really good scorer at the point guard. So, so to bring in a, a scoring two, usually you kind of have one or the other that's a better passer and one that's a better scorer. Um, I've just, just generally speaking. So it'll be interesting to see two guys who can really either, who can, who will get to the rim or shoot the lights out. It'll be interesting to see 
uh, how that goes. But I, I, that's who I think um, goes there. Yeah, I mean, Anthony Edwards is probably my favorite player in the draft overall. I, I mean, I'm going to pray every night for the next week, week and a half, that he somehow falls to three and the Hornets scoop him up to play uh, the two guard with uh, Devontae Graham playing point. That would be my dream scenario for Anthony Edwards. I don't think it's going to happen. I think when people say this draft doesn't have a lot of star power, which I know I said coming on, I think Anthony Edwards has the best potential to be an absolute superstar. I mean, he's built fairly similar to Michael Jordan. He's pretty similar in height to Michael Jordan. He is a two-guard like Michael Jordan. I think if anyone's going to be the Michael Jordan of this draft class, it's going to be Anthony Edwards. Wow. That's some serious talk there. That's like, you you don't just say that lightly, dude. No, he's a stud. I like him. I want him in Charlotte. I want MJ to draft MJ Jr. (laughs) That's what I want. Will it happen? No chance. I don't think there's any way that Anthony Edwards escapes the first two picks. But if he does, if he does... MJ, if you're listening, first off, if you're listening, come on the yeah. show. Second off, if you're listening, draft Anthony Edwards at three if he's available. Interesting. Uh, so to your point about the uh, the way that the Cleveland roster is set up, Colin Sexton, he was the eighth pick in 2018. Tristan Thompson, interestingly enough, was the fourth pick by the Cavaliers in 2011. So those two were drafted to this team. Uh, but then you have a guy, another shooting guard, a two guard, Dante Exum, who I think people thought was going to be really good. Uh, drafted in 2014, he was drafted in the fifth spot. All right, are you guys noticing a pattern here yet? Um, if not, uh, let me spell it out for you with one more. Andre Drummond, also not originally drafted to the Cavaliers, but drafted a ninth. So this team is going to have, uh, and then Larry Nance also was in the first round. Kevin Love also obviously went first round fifth pick overall this team is going to be like stacked with former first round picks which obviously not even first first round picks top yeah exactly like you don't see many rosters built like that so if if anything that there are the pieces uh that are there uh to see you know maybe maybe there's a bright future for cleveland but i personally don't think that's i think unless lebron comes back I think with that Ogunglu pick too, um, if they draft him, Tristan Thompson is pretty much off that roster. Ogunglu is Tristan Thompson with a better offensive upside and a longer career left in the league. So I think if they go that route, Tristan Thompson's good as gone. Yeah, it'll be interesting. He's been there a long time. But that rounds out our NBA 2020 mock draft. We can watch that in just nine short days on Wednesday, the 18th. And we'll see, we'll see who's right. It'll be interesting. I feel, you know, obviously player mobility in the NBA is higher than any other league. Obviously there are some trades on um, the first round of the NFL draft, but there's nothing compared to what NBA trade in uh, in their draft. So it'll be fun to watch. But speaking of football, let's do the, the best thing you all listen to the week. show for. Oh, God, that's terrifying. But yes, 
as the Jets obliterate the Patriots 20 to 10 at halftime. Let's talk about seriously? our yeah, seriously, dead serious. I'm looking oh, at that it right sucks now. to be the Jets. You don't want to mess Cam this Newton up. also 13 of 14 passing with 120 yards, which is ironic. It's just like insane. Joe Flacco, 12 of 17, 194 yards, two touchdowns. Frank Gore, seven carries for 34 yards, almost that five yards of pop carry. What a what a game we have going on here. Uh James White. Almost lost fumble, but thank goodness. But anyways, let's talk about our week nine. Biggest winners, losers, and our biggest takeaway. Shuda, what is your who or what entity is your biggest winner from week nine? I'm glad you said what entity because it's father time. Father time is week whatever, biggest winner, because you're starting to see him creep up on the likes of Tom Brady. The likes of Drew Brees, the likes of Old Man Rivers, the only person <laughs> literally who Old is Man Rivers. Affected, literally, I'll get on. I'll get in on him in a second. The only person that's not affected by Father Time is Frank Gore. Number for some reason unknown to the world. Frank Gore is the only guy that Father Time can't touch. I don't know if he sold his soul to the devil or something. I don't know what it is with Frank Gore, but he's on. He's unaffected by age. I mean, we saw. We saw the, the geezer bowl last night, Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. The Saints obliterated the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers had been, outside of the Steelers, maybe the hottest team in the league. Their defense was clicking. Their offense was rolling. And Tom Brady looked like the 47-year-old he is or whatever, <laughs> however old Tom Brady actually is. And Drew Brees, I mean, they won 30-something to three. Drew Brees didn't even look like look that great. He hasn't looked that good all yeah, season. He he's been he's been playing that Peyton Manning game manager style that you saw Manning play in his last season with the Broncos. He's just doing it a little better than Peyton did. I mean, he only threw for like 222 yards. Yep. He had three touchdowns, four. which four touchdowns. Yes, I, I made the graphic this morning. Four touchdowns. Oh, crap. That reminds me. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> four touchdowns, which four touchdowns, nothing, nothing to laugh at. 222 yards, nothing impressive for a quarterback. He's like me when I play NCAA football. I might throw seven touchdowns, but I throw like 180 yards because I'm running five-yard <laughs> slants all the way down the field. It's like he's not doing anything impressive from a quarterback standpoint. He's just kind of managing the game with the loaded offense that he has. Then you got old man Rivers over in Indianapolis. My Indianapolis Colts, old man Rivers. This dude, I've defended him to the ends of the earth, but I'm over him. I put him in a home. He stinks. He sucks. He's so bad. Did you see him try to chase yes, down whoever it was from the from the Ravens on that fumble recovery when he literally fell onto his back and then he just sat there like a dead bug trying to grab the dude's legs? You, yeah, yeah, give I him saw a it. walker uh, or something. The dude can't stand on his feet. Every other pass, it seemed like, in the second half, He'd throw it, and it was like there wasn't anyone there. Yeah, it was. It, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's tough to see Phil. Uh, it, you know, he obviously just played a really good defense, but um, yeah, you know, you just hate to see. You just hate to see um, something. You like hate that. to see all these quarterbacks you grew up loving 
starts to tear yeah. and just stinks. when Jacoby Brissett has to come in to throw a Hail Mary because you can't get it there anymore is probably a sign that maybe maybe it's time to hang it up. He tr- he tried going deep once to Marcus Johnson and once to Michael Pittman. Had them both open both times. The second he took it back, it just looked awkward and uncomfortable. And when that ball was flying in the air, I was like, that's not what a deep ball is supposed to look like. <laughs> it was about as flat as flat can be. He was way over through him. The thing was just a low liner, like like me hitting a driver. It just barely got off the ground and just, <laughs> just rolled <laughs> right over their Nothing heads. like a worm burner. It's like, what are you doing? He This was the worst Phillip Rivers has looked since he's been in Indianapolis. And he hasn't looked great no. in Indianapolis. Typically, he's playing this game manager style that I just said Drew Brees was doing. He's just not doing as well as Drew Brees is. And a team that for the team that needs to lean on their running game, they're not doing it. And they're trying to let Phillip do too much. And he's not 29-year-old no. Phillip Rivers anymore. He's not... 33-year-old Philip Rivers anymore. Hell, I don't even think he's 35-year-old Philip Rivers anymore. I don't even know how old this dude is. He's got to be damn near 55. Nothing like, nothing like just going until you, we find out his age. <laughs> 38. He's 38. I was hoping he was going to be 39 so you could say 29 and then 39, but he went to 33. He's certainly not 33-year-old Philip Rivers. He's not even 36-year-old Philip Rivers nope. anymore. I'll take 36-year-old Philip Rivers because I had I know 36-year-old Philip Rivers and he wasn't bad. 30 36-year-old Philip Rivers went 9 and 7, completed 62% of his passes for 4500 yards, 28 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. I'll take it. Take it in a heartbeat. Not 9 and 7, he had a shitty roster in San well, Diego, this, much better team in Indianapolis. Yeah, this roster plus this roster and 2016, um, or sorry, 36-year-old 2017 Philip Rivers would be pretty pretty terrifying, uh, but that would lean on T.Y. Hilton be, not being uh, T.Y. Motel 6, as, as one <laughs> Big J pointed out. Yes, that's old man time is becoming uh, the, one of the biggest winners this year in the league. My biggest winner is Matt Rule. Why you ask? You just lost thirty-three to thirty-one to the Kansas City Chiefs and almost won this game because Joey Sly he almost won. <laughs> Joey Sly, Joey, can we talk about that? That dude's got a leg on him. Missed a sixty-five yarder. He like, I think it was what was it wide right and had the distance. So like, this guy, it's like the second week or third. It was like second time in two weeks where he's attempted like a sixty-five yarder. And only missed because he couldn't control where the hell it was going. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, the wind's gonna do something when you have sixty-five. That's. Do you people realize that is a hundred? How? Wait, no, a hundred and eighty. A little more than that. What's sixty-five times three? Sixty. Sixty-five times three is a hundred and ninety-five feet. That's a lot of feet, folks. That's like a home run in the in the Little League World Series. Is what he's kicking a football. Anyways, Matt Rule, the Panthers fall to three and six. Bridgewater looked great, 36 of 49, 
310, two scores. They got McCaffrey back. He was doing it in all facets. Curtis Samuel had nine catches for 100 yards and a score. This team is young, but Matt Rule is the biggest winner because he is most likely going to get a nice little draft pick for himself and continue to build this team, and they're going to be good again really quick, uh, especially um, especially if Teddy continues to play that he he's uh, currently at. Um, happy early birthday to Teddy. It'll be his 28th birthday tomorrow uh, as we sit here. This is on Monday evening. So uh, Matt Rule and – you could argue the Carolina Panthers are my biggest winner. Yeah, Joey Sly has probably been the most shocking fantasy accusation of acquisition. Yeah, like he's the most <laughs> shocking player. Like the player that... Joey Sly. <laughs> oh Jesus! What am I trying to say? Acquisition, not acquisition. <laughs> You're a classic sly and you know it. You're pulling a real sly right now, young man. Go to your room. You're the most surprised fantasy player this season. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Holy cow. That is not a good look for you. Um, you, you might have just made my biggest loser. I'm used to losing. I'm a Purdue fan. That's um, entirely true. Shout out. Sorry, loser. we didn't say this at college football. Shout out. Badger's going to be back against Michigan this week. And shout out Purdue 2-0 versus 3-0. Number 23 ranked Northwestern under the lights in Lucas Oil Stadium. Lucas Oil Stadium. Holy cow. Ross Aid Stadium on Saturday night. My biggest loser is our boy, Jonathan Taylor. Speaking of the Badgers. The rookie running back. For as good as he is, he's averaging five yards a pop. He scores a touchdown in pretty much every game. For some reason, he's on the shortest leash of all time. And he somehow finds a way to make one glaring mistake every game that just results in him getting benched and not touching the football again for three-plus quarters. Yeah, He scored the first on the Colts' first drive yesterday, first drive, second drive. Uh, he scored a touchdown to put the Colts up 7-0. Their next drive, after getting a first down, he fumbled. The Ravens returned it for a touchdown. He played one snap after yep. that. One snap. He's probably your biggest offensive weapon with T.Y. Hilton on the IR. Um, and even when he's been healthy, like we said, he's T.Y. Motel 6. <laughs> he hasn't contributed really anything. Old Man Rivers can't get the ball downfield. Paris Campbell's on the IR. Your receiving core is depleted. Jonathan Taylor is your biggest weapon on offense. It's, and then Marlon Max out with the Achilles injury. I don't get why you're not pounding your dump truck of a running back up yeah. the middle. But instead, we're giving the we're giving the carries to Naheem Hines, who is not a power back at all. If you're going to give it to Naheem Hines, it's in the screen game or on stretch plays to the outside. You can't run him up the middle. Or um, who is the other guy we're running? Um, that DeMichael geez. Harris guy? Yeah, DeMichael Harris, and then there's another one. Uh, to... Jordan Wilkins. Yeah, Jordan Wilkins. We're giving all of J- JT's carries to Jordan Wilkins, which also makes no sense to me. Like, I don't get what you're trying to do with these three running backs who 
probably wouldn't be on the roster on any other offense. Maybe the Jets or the Patriots <laughs> or something like that. But Wilkins and uh, DeMichael Harris aren't aren't playing on most other teams. Naeem Hines probably gets a spot because he's fast. Jonathan Taylor's your guy. You have to pound the rock with him. I don't understand the short leash, but because he keeps finding ways to mess up, he is my biggest Yeah, uh, so honestly, it's it's interesting. Um, like you said, I mean, he keeps making that one mistake, and I mean, he's a rookie, and I, I'm sure he's frustrated um, in his play to this point. Uh, but that being said, like you mentioned, I mean, at this point – the Colts running game on offense isn't helping out old man rivers. Taylor's got 106 carries for 416. He's got four touchdowns this year. He's only averaging 3.9 yards a carry, which is not good. Wilkins uh, is a second leading rusher, 60 carries for 222. He's at 3.7. Hines is at uh, 33 for 107. That's good enough for 3.2. Mac, obviously we're only four carries into the season for 26 yards. So that's six, that's six and a half yards a, a, a pop. But I would say based off of the, the other data that we have, there's a good chance that he would only be um, around that four yards of carry mark. This the, the inability to run, I think in general on offense, I just think Mac is obviously has a, a devastating injury um, that, uh, the Achilles, the Achilles isn't an ACL. The Achilles can really be an issue, especially at the running back position. I don't think there's a guarantee that for one, you sign him next year if you're the Colts. Two, that it's a good idea to sign him in general. Coming off of this, you're obviously going to have to take your time um, and that kind of stuff. JT has been great though uh, in the passing game. Uh, he's uh, only one target has not been caught. He's 20, 20 catches on twenty one targets. Um, he's had a couple of those big screen plays. Uh, I, for all intents and purposes, you don't take a guy in the second round uh, if you don't think he's at least uh, somewhat uh, a part of your future to not just show, hey, you're you're our guy. Maybe it's not wanting to run him run him down too much, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see the way that he's being managed. But um, now the Colts are are five and three and have a very interesting stretch coming up. Um, I'm very excited to see him hopefully run over the ground. Yeah, and, I mean, he they, he has the best offensive line in the league to run behind, too, which it's even more confusing why they're not using him. But the, I've ranted enough about the Colts, and I'm going to talk about the Colts again later. So, Hoppa, who's your biggest loser? My biggest loser from Week 9 is the Chicago Bears. They go to 5-4 and four on the season after a loss to Tennessee, a game that – Grant that they scored no points in the first half, a 63-yard uh, fumble return uh, from Desmond King, who the Titans newly acquired. Uh, the Titans move on to six and two, 17 to nothing, and then in the fourth quarter, the um, the Bears score 17 points to act like it's a close game uh, when it really was never that close. Uh, this offense is atrocious. They have scored seven points. They've scored one time in the third quarter in their nine games that they've played so far this season. Um, the, you just can't go anywhere without an offense. I mean, obviously we understand how they struggle, but they just continue to do like defense wins championships, but damn dude, your offense has to score a little bit. <laughs> it's insane. So um, yeah, biggest loser is going to be the Chicago bears for week nine. 
I mean, they have stooge ownership. They have a stooge GM. They Nagy never is not a great coach. Offense. I think there's a point Nagy where... Nagy is not the offensive guru yeah. that they make. Oh, absolutely. Like, you have... Look, I'm not saying Foles is an L, uh, top quarterback, an elite quarterback, but he has played on the biggest stage. You have a good running back. You have a stud receiver. Like, you have the three things you need to have a good offense. Jimmy Graham looks like he's... 22 years old again or how whatever however old he was when he was lighting it up like he like you have literally the pieces right there and you just need to score more than like 10 points a game and you just can't but yeah i mean they don't have a line they have a decent running back in david montgomery yeah absolutely alan robinson has been a wide receiver number one this season but outside of those two guys on offense, they have nothing. So if you can stop the run game, they can't get the ball downfield to Allen Robinson. It's like, what are they going to do? You're going to bring in Mitch Trubisky? No. Yep. You get stuck with Nick Foles, who isn't the worst option in the world. He's not who you want. He's not the, the number one guy that you want under center. And until they have an offensive line, it doesn't matter who they have under center. They're not going to be able to do anything. Yeah, absolutely. So... That's where we stand. I'm loving my, uh, I don't, you know, and I'm not going to say that for fear of jinxing it, but uh, I'm, I'm loving where I'm sitting as a Packer fan is all I'm going to say. Uh, would you like to deliver your biggest takeaway or would you like me to go first? You can go first. All right. My biggest takeaway from week nine is this NFL MVP race. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Obviously we just had the bills and the Seahawks, um, where Russell Wilson did not look good. Uh, four total turnovers, two interceptions, and two fumbles lost. Uh, the Bills won by 10, 44 to 34. That's a game that the Seahawks win if Russell does not turn the ball over uh, that many times. However, that's where it is. So I'm going to hit you with some numbers and maybe maybe put up a poll tomorrow on student union on Twitter to see who your uh, favorite is for the NFL MVP race. Cause I think it's just four quarterbacks that can be uh, drawn from. So Russell Wilson, his team is six and two 71% completion percentage. That's good enough for third in the NFL. He's fourth in yards with 2,541 yards. He's first with 28 touchdowns. He's fourth among quarterbacks with eight interceptions to this point. He's got 265 yards and a touchdown on the ground. He's lost two fumbles. Aaron Rodgers is also six and two. 67.5% completion percentage. Uh, that's good enough for 13th. 2,253 yards. That's good enough for ninth. 24 touchdowns. That's third. He's 36. There's 35 quarterbacks ahead of Aaron Rodgers that have thrown more interceptions. He's only got two on the season, all coming in one game. He's only got 61 yards. There's a clear uh, Aaron doesn't run anymore um, policy in Green Bay. He did it. He's also lost one fumble. Next is Josh Allen, seven and two. Uh, his team is sixty-eight percent. That's good enough for sixth. Twenty-five hundred and eighty-seven yards. That's good enough for third in the NFL among quarterbacks. He's fifth with nineteen touchdowns. He ranks seventeenth, but five interceptions is pretty glaring. He's got two hundred and forty-one yards and five rushing touchdowns, and he's also lost four fumbles. Um, so if you're keeping count, that is ten turnovers for Russ and nine for Allen. Lastly. I think the favorite to this point, Patrick Mahomes, his team is 8-1. and He's completed 66% of his passes. He's got 2,687 yards. That's good enough for second. 
against 25 touchdowns is good enough for second. There are 38 quarterbacks that have played this year that have thrown more interceptions than Patrick Mahomes. He has one. He's got 165 rushing yards and also two touchdowns. So the NFL MVP race is heating up and has become uh, a week-to-week thing to watch and will be fun to watch as the Packers play a not-very-good Jaguars team this weekend. The Bills go to Arizona to play a pretty stout uh, Cardinals defense. Um, and then I believe the uh, I believe the Chiefs and the Bills – or sorry, who's left? The Chiefs and the Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks play uh, in Las Vegas and the Chiefs have a buy so it'll be a fun it'll both be a fun week of football and to watch this mvp race as it continues yeah i think aaron Rodgers is probably my favorite for the mvp just because he no one really expected him to do what he's doing for Except whatever reason people people like you're a packers fan you don't <laughs> count people like to count out aaron Rodgers. i think uh my guy father time everyone thought that it was aaron Rodgers day with father time and he said no i've got some frank gore in me i'm gonna gonna keep this train rolling yeah he's only 36 he'll be 37 in december so i mean he's definitely nearing Just, the end but there's he's the only player 39 yeah he's the only player in nfl history with over 300 touchdown passes and under 100 interceptions so it's you know he's continuing he's actually upped his accuracy he's this would actually be um, has most accurate season since 2012 um, by a pretty close margin. Um, he's going to be tickling that 40 touchdown mark and it'll be dependent. It'll be pretty much if Patrick Mahomes makes a stake, a mistake or two, and then uh, Rogers is able to continue to win ball games. I think the, those two are just going to have, it's just going to be insane. What, some of those two numbers look like and even i mean even russ he's got 28 touchdowns like he's definitely gonna throw for 50 this year but will he continue to throw those interceptions is another question what's your biggest take yeah i mean from week nine of the russ has to chuck the ball downfield because he doesn't have a defense (laughs) my biggest takeaway is well when you think of the NFL stadiums, like which one's the best? You, you immediately think of the ones that were just built. You got Mercedes Benz, you've got Allegiant Stadium in Vegas, you've got whatever the heck that is they just built in Los Los Angeles SoFi? for the you mean Vegas, yeah, SoFi for the Char- Chargers oh. and the uh, um, Rams. It's like, oh yeah, obviously, but I think there is a it's t- fairly new, but seeing it opened up roof open windows down 80 degrees sunny day in november lucas oil stadium is so underrated that's only the second time i'd ever been there but i've been to mercedes-benz obviously i haven't been to allegiant or so far they just opened but like lucas oil stadium is incredible it's probably my favorite venue i've ever watched a game in the first time I watched the game, I was too young to really remember it. All I know is Philip Rivers torched Peyton Manning in Sunday Night Football. Um, Lucas Oil Stadium's sick. I see why they host Final Fours here. I see why they're bringing the college football playoff here. I see why they hosted a Super Bowl here. Why they host high school state championships there. They host everything. I like Indianapolis is a meh city in its own right. Lucas Oil Stadium is sick. Highly recommend it to anybody. Most underrated stadium in the NFL. 
That's very interesting, I will say. That's not what I expected out of your biggest takeaway. That being said, I can't decide how I, I pro actually I'm probably not a fan of Lucas Oil. If we could hold the Big Ten championship somewhere else, maybe give the Badgers more of a more of a chance, that'd be great. Where do you where else would you want to host it? It's the most central location for the Big Ten. Soldier Field. Even though it's a shit box. That'd be cold in that'd December. Be, that'd be awesome. At that point, you might as well throw it in Lambo. That'd be even better. Let's just play at Camp Randall. Fine, jeez, we'll do it. It's settled. You had to pull some pull some legs, but uh, big. I would actually love. Camp I would Randall. love for conference championships to be not even like close to where the actual like the general region of the conference is. So you just have like like the Big Ten championship game is in like Buffalo. It's like Levi Stadium and San Francisco. Yeah, or that too. Like they go play it all. Uh, they have to go play it in uh, Hawaii where they play the Pro Bowl. Yeah, you can't play it in Buffalo because Rutgers and Maryland are too True. close to that. Although, yeah, although I not that they're ever play there like, anyway. Play it like North Dakota State's dome. <laughs> the ACC, Canada, the ACC has to go to like Washington in the rain in December. <laughs> the SEC is going to like. Alaska. <laughs> they make him go play in the stadium in London. <laughs> the Big 12 is going to Could you imagine like, the fans? Uh, I'm not going overseas. You kidding me? I don't like them foreigners. <laughs> That's probably problematic. <laughs> That's probably super problematic. That being said. SEC fans will travel anywhere. Yeah. They probably would. They'd probably be like, "Oh man, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna get myself in more trouble than I need to." Anyways, <laughs> this week, that that's that wraps up the biggest winners, losers, and our biggest takeaways from the NFL. But you could argue for us this week, it is one of the more important weeks of the year. It is coming late in November, rather than earlier in the spring. It is actually Masters Week. Are you hyped? How hyped are you? It's Masters oh. Week. Is that even a question? <gasps> We're so hyped for Masters Week. Let's go. <laughs> now, if anybody did that on the golf course, other than when they win the most coveted, the most coveted championship in all of sports, one may argue. One of the most coveted, if not the most coveted championships Somebody would go crazy and yell, as I did last year when the defending champion, Tiger Woods, Eldrick Woods, won it. He's the defending champion, and you're going to get some Masters talk coming through your ears right now because I'm hyped. Harry being the golfer that he is, the collegiate golfer that he is, getting pumped for spring. Barely. Yeah, he's, he's more of a college athlete than I ever was. That's a fact. We're going to give some best bets. We're going to talk a little Masters. Go, You can lead it off if you want. I mean, obviously coming in, the biggest storyline is Bryson DeChambeau and what he's going to do to Augusta National. I mean, I am the president of Team DeChambeau. I mean, I'm Bryson's inside guy. I'm in his circle. I mean, we communicate on Instagram fairly regularly. Communicate or liked comments. Are, you might be pulling hairs there. He's seen my face. 
there's a chance he's seen my Instagram profile. There's a chance he's so, seen your face. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely has seen my name on multiple he, occasions. He has been forced to see your entire full name. That is correct. <laughs> oh. I mean, yeah, he is the storyline with him and, I don't know, the questions of if he's bringing out his 48-inch driver, what he's Not where I do. thought you were he going with every... that at first when you got got excited. Thought something else was 48 <laughs> inches. And with that guy, everything else on him is big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. He says every par five is pretty much a par four for him. He says everything he's going for in two. He said that in his mind, par is 68 instead of 71. Oh, an asshole. I don't know. It, he th- it's like he's certainly the favorite. He's poised to shoot 30 under par. Whether or not he can actually do it is another question, and that's obviously why he's the biggest storyline. Obviously, you've got Dustin Johnson searching for his first green jacket. Rory McIlroy, who's played actually fairly well this year, searching for his First green jacket to complete his career. Finish off slam. the slam. You've got Brooks Kepka looking to add a green jacket to his already impressive resume. All the power hitters are in play this week. I mean, Phil's playing a 47 and a half inch driver. Yeah, so Phil's using a 47 and a half at 47 and a half inch driver, trying to hit these Phil bombs that he is apparently known Cavs. for. For a dude that can never hit a fairway. You think lengthening your driver is going to help you be more accurate? No, you're just going to hit it farther, and it's going to be just as far offline as it was before. I don't really see this working out for Phil Mickelson. And then, of course, the reigning champ, Tiger Woods. Everyone wants to know, what is Tiger going to look like? If there's a course for Tiger to win at again, it is Augusta because it is shorter. He doesn't have to hit the ball as far, and it's a course that he knows, like, the back of yeah. his hand. If, if like, MJ knows, like every groove of a basketball then tiger knows every nook and cranny of augusta yeah he (laughs) i don't know what's funny i didn't even mean to be funny i don't think i can get myself to say that joke on air hapa who are your favorite bets this week at augusta i love this tiger woods is plus 105 for a top 20 that is easy money right there um also for a top 20 scotty scheffler is plus 150 he's had a really great year i like that a lot um for starting deep out of the field for a top 10 finish xander shoffley plus 120 this kid loves augusta he's very good there um and so i like that a lot um that's that's a good start top five though Plus 500 is Tony Finau. Tony Finau also, big hitter, loves Augusta. So those are some of my place bets. But it doesn't matter where you place. All it matters about is that green jacket. So my bets to win the green jacket this year. Bryson DeChambeau is at plus 800. He is the favorite. That is per Bovada. That is what I'm looking at right now. Uh, I think you'd be remiss to not bet on him. That's a good bet right there. My second bet is Xander Shoffley, plus 1,400. He is the, let's see, sixth favorite. 
on there. I think in a similar fashion, he hits, I mean, he, he's a pretty average hitter uh, as far as distance, um, but this course suits him. He plays top five last year. Um, and I think, I think he's getting used to, used to Augusta. He's not, he's now, he's got enough rounds under his belt, uh, as a pro where he's, um, where he, I don't think he's guessing on the course anymore. He, he's got a, a really, really good idea, um, of what's going on. He's a uh, favorite ahead of Brooks, like Santos between Rory and Brooks. I think that's a really good bet this week. Now, as we get down to the lesser favorites, but the guys that I like that have a chance, Tony Finau plus 2,800 Finau also in the top five last year, a big hitter. Like I said, I think a top five is almost a guarantee. He's played here like Xander. He's been here enough now at Augusta um, where he's kind of um, getting used to it, getting used to the, um, uh, the way, the, the feel, the nuance, especially now uh, that we were, we we're going to have a, uh, a fanless uh, Augusta in the middle of, in the middle of, um, I mean, the middle of fall, I guess, the beginning of winter. I don't know what it, what it feels like. Um, but, yes, uh, in recent history, he's gone T5 uh, in 2019 and then was T10 in the Masters. So he's played eight rounds there and is uh, lights up there, essentially, for Finau. Now, you had to know this was coming because he's the defending champion. You would be a sore, dummy idiot. To not take Tiger Woods plus 3,300 to win the green jacket, go backy to backy. I think there's a point where Augusta, Augusta is prepared, and we've been seeing the videos. If you don't follow, if you don't follow basically the Masters on Twitter, they've been showing them getting ready. I think they're going to be, for what they have to work with, I think they're going to be ready for Bryson. The way that that course is so difficult. I don't think 30 under is in play. I don't think 20 under is in play. We know now that he can win um, in that regard, but no, like we said, nobody knows Augusta National better than Tiger Woods. He's plus 3,300 as well. My other like middle-of-the-road long shot is Colin Morikawa. I don't think you can count him out of any tournament, especially uh, what's you know technically a shorter course. Um, we saw how he dealt with what was that Harding Park um, I, I love him. And then this is purely an emotional bet. This is my last one to win just because I think it would be a great story and I just can't get away from it and from the odds. And he's too good to not compete. Jordan Spieth. I know he's probably not even going to make the cut. He's plus 6,600. There is something in me that, just needs to believe that Jordan Spieth will get to the pinnacle once again. Um, he obviously he, uh, I mean, he's he's won this tournament before. He's been to Augusta. That win was now five years ago. Uh, he's won a U.S. Open. He knows what it takes. He, for the most part, doesn't seem like he can figure it out. Um, but I think if there was a time. Uh, if there was a time now more than ever for Jordan Spieth to show that he still has it, it would be, 
it would be this Masters. So, yeah, I I don't hate that speed pick with those odds. To be honest with you, like yeah, I mean I, it's to win. That's there's a reason. Like there's a reason that in just about every golf event, the winner starts at around plus six hundred or more. It's because it's an individual sport. It's a lot harder to decide. But speed the plus sixty six hundred. You put if you throw down ten dollars to win six hundred and sixty dollars, uh, that's like a very obviously low level bet for Jordan Speed to win. Like that that I don't think there that you can go wrong with just tossing ten dollars there. Um, another person that I do like though, um, I will say for a top ten. Let me pull back up his. I know I just kind of went back. I saw his name. I've been deciding back and forth. Let's see where. Where is he? Uh, a top 10, Jason Kokrak, plus 600. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you like that? He's kind of been hot lately. He's hot. I don't know if I like him. No, that'd be, a pl- that'd be a top 10. Oh, that could be sneaky then. Plus 600 for a top 10. I'm going to write all these down. We'll see how it ends up uh, on the next show. But I think those are my best bets, um, especially for the value that some of those place on it as well but it's gonna be a fun week yeah i think i think for me my favorites are probably bryson shawfley uh rory obviously finau louis ustazen and then you can't bet against tiger sneaky louis pick louis a guy that louis loves augusta louis usually plays pretty well at augusta i mean you forget that it was louis that bubba had to hit that miracle hook wedge yep. against when when his was that his first or second? Uh, second? Now I don't know. Now I'm now I'm worried that I say that he won. Uh, he lost in the 2012, whichever one that one was, because that was a sun death playoff. Yeah. Um, whatever that was. Yeah, Louis, you're you're absolutely correct though. Also, one of the, all, speaking of all-time names, Ludwickus, Ludwickus, I don't know how to, at all to pronounce that. Theodorus Louis Oosthuizen. That's a name. What? That's his real name. That's his given name. Full name. L O D E W I C U S. That's his first name. However, you pronounce that. Theodorus. Ludwickus. Theodorus. Nickname. Louis Oosthuizen. Yeah. Lodwickus Theodorus. I think I'm only going to call him that from now on. Oh, I mean, I think that's exactly appropriate. I think that's exactly... Yeah, he would be my sleeper pick to win this week if you can't call Tony Finau a sleeper pick. Uh, I would... I think, yeah, I think Louis technically more of a sleeper. People forget Louis also is a major champion. He, yeah, he won. He won the Open that. ten years ago. I mean, if there's any tournament for a European to win, it is that one. Absolutely. He he's also finished runner-up in every other major as well. He's he's just one of those guys, dude. He's one of those guys that is probably so stupidly rich because golf is such a rich sport, and he's like just good enough that he's always like constantly top twenty. Okay, he's the European Ricky Fowler. Absolutely. That's exactly like that's exactly what it was. That he just. The guy can't like he's got one major, but Ricky also doesn't win tournaments. Yeah, well, Ricky just doesn't win tournaments. He just shows up and collects that sponsorship money. Hey, can't can't hate on him for that. I think I think that wraps up this episode of Lecture Hall. 
I also would agree with that. Thank you guys for listening. We will be back next week. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at BeastieHops at Twitch underscore 35. I will be live tweeting the NBA draft next Wednesday. Wow. It's probably my favorite, one of my favorite sporting events of the year for a league that I don't care about, but I love the NBA draft. I will be live tweeting that. Follow me for that <laughs> coverage. We'll be back I next might, week before I the draft. Around so you'll hear you'll hear our voices again before you hear Adam Silver on Wednesday. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure to go to gibbsgrooming.com. Use code HALL15, 15% off. Hoppa. Class is dismissed.